The scriptural reading for this morning shall be found in the book of Matthew, chapter 4, and I'll be reading from verse 12 to 25. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Neptal, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtal, by, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, the Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simeon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately let their net and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Sebed, and John, his brother in the boat with Sebe, their father, mending their net. He called them, and immediately they led the net and their father and followed him. And Jesus went all Galilee, preaching in the synagogue, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kind of sickness, and all kind of diseases among people. Then he, his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all kind of people who was afflicted and various disease and torment. And those who were demo possessed epileptics and paralyzed and he healed them great multitude followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis Jerusalem Judea and beyond the Jordan may God bless his word amen community of his people it is edifying in and of itself at all times. Welcome. My name is Steve. If you didn't know that before, I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks for joining us today because just as superintendent said, we are here to learn to live the love of Jesus. That's what we come and gather to do. We do that intentionally with every purpose. And why? Why do we do that? Because he loved us first. 
he will love us always. And he will love us to the very end. It is an incredible gift that he has given to us, his son, and the salvation that we have then to share in him. And it's this that we understand. It's in this that we understand that you know, he's making all things new, right? As we follow him, he makes all things new in us and through us. Well, thanks for gathering with us. I, I want to share with you just a couple of cool things that are happening. As many of us are excited about, the Kid Zone is open. And one of the things that the Kid Zone is doing is this CADVAD challenge. It means this, if you didn't know, and I had asked uh, somebody who did know. It means this, a chapter a day and a verse a day. They get a little notebook, and in it, every, every uh, child in Kid Zone has the opportunity to read a chapter and either write the verse or draw a picture or do both so that it solidifies it. It was just great this week. I had the opportunity to, to come across uh, uh, at least one of our uh, Kid Zone kids and just kind of say, hey, are you doing the CAD, you know, CADVAD challenge? And they, yes, and ask them about their pictures they're drawing, the verses they're reading, and this is what was so cool. Mom and dad are there, and mom said, you know, mom shared the story of how just by reading the story, so they're reading through John, 21 days between when they started till up to Easter, and the, just that the fact that uh, as three-year-old could actually go, you know, Jesus is the light. She didn't have to tell him, just reading the scripture Truth gets absorbed, friends. It's just so cool. I loved it, too, because as you remember, and we'll get to it in a second here, we really just tried to press in this idea that the command of Scripture on our behalf as followers is so vital to our health and wholeness in him and holiness, right? Well, while on a vacation a few years ago, Kathy and I were directed to try an ice cream shop. And not to turn down this kind of an offer, we took the public transportation and rode our way to the section of the city where this ice cream shop was located. I looked at the line as we got off the public transportation because, it, well, it was about a block down. I looked at the line. I'm like, do I want to stand in a line like that? I mean, really? And it was hot. I mean, August, hot, people, urban setting. You get it. Well, reminded by the strong encouragement by the woman at the visitor center to the city that this experience is something that we needed to taste, literally taste, we got in line. That's what you do, right? What we did not know, though, is this ice cream shop was like no other ice cream shop I had been to. There may be others like it, but it's just I have not been to them. And as you get closer, you realize that there's these, these fine women and men, young men, young ladies coming out, and they're asking a question of the people that are getting closer to the line. Well, we finally got up there, and what was being brought out were these multitudes of big spoonfuls of opportunity to taste the ice cream. You can't turn down that. I don't know too many ice cream shops that do this. In fact, it's not the small little plastic ones or the small wood paddles, they actually had metal spoons that you had to take two bites to clear off your, off your palate. Now, the crazy thing about this is that it was very, very good. I'll get to that in a second. 
But it wasn't until like our second visit, yes, we went multiple times, you get something like this, you don't do once, you, you kind of go, man, I'm going to do this multiple times, that we realized you could ask for as many flavors to taste as you wanted. I mean, they had the skill down, carrying all of these spoons that by the time they got to you, they're probably dripping, but... And it's just, it was just great. Now, many of you know what this place was. It's, it's salt and straw. And while there are a lot of places, the only place that we have visited is in Portland. And uh, just an incredible place. If you get a chance, they're uh, food to table, farm to table type stuff. So everything's cultivated in that way. But my favorite, as many of you already know, because this is not the first time I've told this story, is uh, pear and blue cheese. And I know some of you are like, I cannot stand blue cheese. Don't put it in ice cream. But I'm telling you, it is, it, for me, it is great. It is outside, you know, it's just awesome. Well, the passage what we're getting to today is much like walking into salt and straw, except it's far better, far richer. And it's a great taste, if you will, to the kingdom. Matthew, with the Holy Spirit's guidance, has crafted together a tasting of Jesus and the kingdom right here in Matthew chapter 4, the beginning of the gospel of the good news of Jesus. It is incredible. When we see it for what it is and experience it as a newcomer with a great imagination to the possibilities and the potential that lies in here, we can't help but to have a taste. But this is the problem. For many of us in this room, and maybe those of you who are online watching, you have been in church way too long. Oh, I love that you're in church, but you have just been in church way too long because you look at Scripture and you go, I've seen this before. I know this. As Tim Mackey, and many of us know Tim Mackey, says that is a huge danger to do to the the Bible, period, and especially the red words of Jesus. So with all of our power, of which we have none, so we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, we're going to ask that he just kind of erase what we know. We're going to ask that he give us a mind and a heart of a child, if you will, to re-envision what this could be, because that's exactly how it was written. When it was written, these, the readers may have never experienced Jesus, or at least, at the very least, those who were being written about had experienced Jesus for the very first time. That very first taste that seals you on pear and blue cheese ice, you know, ice cream, right? It's the same, very same thing. So let's pray. Lord, we surrender our preloaded and predetermined thoughts about your kingdom, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to envision what this would be like to encounter this passage, this, this Jesus for the very first time, the kingdom for the very first time, creating us a hunger for what we're about to encounter, your word and your kingdom that lies within. We desire to be a people who love well, Love deeply and change through your love. Amen. As Adinka read, when Jesus heard that John, the Baptist, John had been put into prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth, 
He went in and lived in Capernaum. Now, uh, just a few little notes about this. One, the region of Galilee, as we have already read and heard, is not just a purely Jewish region. We have to keep that logged in our mind. It is a region rich with diversity, and especially just Jew and Gentile. Let's just put it in that categories. But that Jesus himself then parks himself in Capernaum as his kind of his home base for this period of time. We're not told in this passage of scripture how John had been, how he knew that John had been arrested, but whatever it was, it moved Jesus enough that he, he made his own shifts, we believe, and I believe, guided by the Holy Spirit. Matthew loves to, and we've walked through this already, he loves to drop in here Old Testament passages that remind us and renew us, if, especially if we were a Jewish Jewish congregation, we would kind of go, whoa, wait a second, I need that scripture, but is this what it's talking about? See, that's the newness we have to realize, is that Matthew is telling us, wait a second, it's Jesus in which the, is the light that is dawning in this, in this passage, that he's the one that those who have been caught in darkness and caught in the shadow of death, anybody felt this, that, that this year at all, in any way, shape, or form? Oh, shall the light dawn on us. If you were living in these moments, you may have just ached for the liberation of your people. You see the occupation of a Roman, Romans all around you. In fact, lands being taken, taxations over the skyrocketing. I mean, it's just all around you. And you see the occupation of somebody that shouldn't be there but is there. It's your land. And so as a people, as a Jewish people, they were hungry for someone to rescue them, to redeem them. The light is about to dawn on them, just as it is on us today as superintendent prayed. He doesn't leave those cracks and crevices, those dark places, even those places of shadow of death in our hearts, if we're so willing and so brave and so courageous to step into them. So let me ask you, even as we get started this morning, is your heart hungering for the light to push the darkness back? Is there something that has been encroaching that you just do not have the ability to push back? Well, the, the light has come. The light has come. Verse 17 says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus speaks, the one in which we say is the light, he speaks. And repent is the whole idea of stop. Stop whatever you're doing, just, just stop. I, I don't know about you, but I've taken a few uh, rolling stops in my day. I could easily have deserved a few uh, tickets. But Jesus is asking us right now, right here, he's asking us to just stop. Even in this moment, not just them, but in our moment, just stop. Because there's something coming. There's something that's about to break into their existence, just about to break into ours too. See, repent is this idea of stop. It's, it's a change that abandons a current way of life for a new way based on new information. And can I say that new information in this case is truth. 
is the truth. Jesus is always full of grace, and he's always full of truth, too. He's never going to leave one for the other. They always come fully together. I wish I could do that, but I'm not able to do that. Not only does Jesus tell us to repent, which may be familiar to our church ears if you're a part of the church, in our head and maybe even our heart, I hope and pray. But he tells us why. He tells us why we need to repent, why we need to stop, because he says the kingdom has come near and it's coming now. Jesus announces his kingdom and there's this immediate tension. Can you imagine it? There's this immediate tension that fills the air for most, just as it fills the air for you. When I said, wait a second, there's something dark in you that Jesus wants to push back. There's a tension that fills the air. And it does for them. It does for us. They were living this kingdom, whether it was for what they thought was Godward or not. They were living a kingdom ideal, this, this way of living. And Jesus says, look, there's a new and better kingdom. In fact, it's the best kingdom. It is the true reality in which you should be living into. And it, it will conquer the cancer that plagues us all, physically and otherwise that has broken the human race. We have to ask the question as we look through this, when do we see the first glimpses of kingdom conversation? When does it break with on us that, that kingdom is talked about? I think that you can go all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2. Well, Yahweh is king of his kingdom, and he... He creates out of this, this just imaginative mind what we are and who we are and where we live and all of these things. It's just a beautiful thing. He does something else in that passage of Scripture in 1 and 2 as we read through them that is crazy. The kingdom in which is breaking into the world that we introduced from Isaiah and that Matthew writes about and Jesus talks about was the kingdom that was originally started in Genesis 1 and 2. And this is the cool thing. Even then, he shared it. He shared it with those around them. He gave it away to humanity, to you and I, to, to those who might live within this kingdom. And yet, we know what transpires. In Genesis chapter 3, in this idea of love, this idea of freedom that he gives to each one of us, he he gives that freedom and he gives that love and mankind, Adam and Eve, the archetypes that represent really us and all of humanity. They choose to seize their own autonomy. They wish to create their own kingdom and immediately at that point, at that place in, at that place in time, there's now this division that takes place. There's a kingdom of God that is still and always will reign and now there's this kingdom of humanity that continues to try to seize and take control. The cool thing about God, as we already talk about, is that he loves and he loves unconditionally and infinitely. He continues to pursue us and we see this throughout scripture, right? He goes and seeks out Abraham and Sarah and says, look, I'm going to create this covenant. We could read through all of this. He, he redeems his own out of slavery and raises up Moses, right? 
And even this idea from humanity to God, there's this, this thought of him being king is then seized and seen in 1 Kings 15 where it ends that he, they say in this song that they create there that he's king. We could leave it there, but we can keep on going because in the book of Matthew alone, this idea of king and kingdom is repeated over and over again. In fact, maybe up to 50 times, a one and a half times for every page, depending on your Bible and how it's set up. That is a lot. It's something we have to reconcile with, we have to understand that is being brought, and it's the very thing that Jesus has brought in to us and for us. Verses 18, it says, And Jesus was walking beside the sea, and he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, and for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And again, he did it to two other people, leaving, leaving dad standing alone to fend for fishing. This whole idea, wait a second, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is, is appearing. And he walks up to others and really the scripture doesn't give us that he had this, this clear here, it doesn't give us this clear idea that he knew who he was asking. It was just almost like random that he just kind of said, hey, you're going to follow me. But this is what's peculiar that we need to understand and continue to need to tamp down into our hearts and to our heads and very souls that this idea of come follow me is not on our script it's on his in fact the words really mean come behind me there's not an option you either are or you are not you are living for him or you're not now can you imagine being there and you're tending to your your vocation. And he walks off and he says, come with me. Isn't that a little presumptuous? Isn't it a little kind of like, wow, wait a second, where do you get the audacity to command me? They didn't know him that we know of, right? Just this command like he does, it's just incredible. Calling out Peter and Andrew and James and John and leaving dad behind. And it's not the way it's supposed to be done even in religious circles. So if you wanted to follow after somebody, a rabbi, you chose the rabbi. So if you were well enough to be a disciple, if you were studious enough to be a disciple, you went and said, I like how his ideals fit with me. I like how this works. Kind of like the way we do politics, I think, right? So we, we kind of assign ourselves, but instead it worked the other way around. Jesus went and said, no, I want you and you and you and you. He already is bringing his kingdom. It's coming to bear because he, he selects who he selects. He selected those to follow him. I love this. There's so many things to just wrap your head around and understand when you think about the kingdom that's just brought in these short verses. It's, it's just it's presumptuous unless... There's something substantive to the kingdom that he's bringing to the people and to the world in which we live. 
Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Now, he already is telling people to repent. He's telling them the kingdom's come near, and they might be getting an idea of what that might mean, especially after he's being boss and telling people to follow him. But now, but now he's, he's teaching in the synagogues. I like, I like how Tim Mackey puts it. It's like his, his kingdom needed a lot of teaching because it was something they couldn't even conceive of, couldn't even understand. And then proclaiming the good news. And his proclamation, it comes in multiple ways. Healing, word, deed. I mean, just so many facets that just extend out of him. But this is what we kind of may wrestle with a little bit. The kingdom of heaven, if you will, is not somewhere like we think we're going to go somewhere. But he's already proclaimed that it's coming to us. Coming through us. It's not somewhere where you go, but it's coming to and through those who follow Jesus. And it has to come that way. There's no other way. So I know. I know we have to wrestle with this tension of, is it, is it somewhere I go? Or is it something that's happening? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, you know, in its, in its truest form. And he backs it up with, again, quickly and taste of the kingdom here news about him spread all over syria people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases those suffering severe pain the demon possessed those having seizures the paralyzed and he healed them large crowds remember the light dawns not only on the jews but the gentiles it's right here it's right before us it's not exclusionary it's inclusionary. It's inclusion. The Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. The kingdom is presented to us in just a, just a, a taste of its beauty. It's not worth it unless there's something substantive, substantive or something different that he's going to change. And it's, it's everything. He's making everything new. I, I love this. News spread about him all over Syria, Syria and everywhere, right? The best advertising for Jesus and his kingdom is still word of mouth. And will always be. As much as we may use social media or using all of these forms, when your neighbor is changed, when you're changed, when the world sees a change, they go, hmm, there's a change amidst. There's a kingdom coming. There's a kingdom here. So the taste of the kingdom is this idea of teaching, proclamation of the good news, healing of sickness, and command over the demons. This is an otherworldly type of kingdom that has come all over the region the word of Jesus spread the ways and the waves the ways and the waves of the kingdom are tangibly evident and palatably present the kingdom of the world is being put in its place by the kingdom of heaven and the king of that kingdom so what 
What, what matter does this to us? I mean, that's great. It's, it's beautiful to read it on page, right? It's wonderful to kind of imagine what that can be like. But what does that mean for you and I? What does it say to us? I think it's, it's Jesus' invitation. As Matthew and the Holy Spirit craft this word to us, it becomes an invitation to us to, to invest our lives in the kingdom with the king. It's an invitation to consider with your whole being, your mind, your heart, and your soul, and your strength to taste the kingdom. And friends, do not misunderstand my idea of taste. I mean to eat continually from the kingdom's bountiful buffet. I'm not suggesting a sample like Kathy and I got when we went to Salt and Straw. I'm not suggesting that at all. It is a continual feast if you so desire. He wants you to enjoy the, the bounty he is presenting, the truthful teaching that will penetrate your soul, the good news that is for all people everywhere, no matter who they are, that liberates and frees. The, the message of the gospel and the power of the kingdom is a healing presence that we even experience today of the mind, of the body, and of the soul. It's our opportunity to taste and see and our invitation to taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, I love this, says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing or no thing. I come back to the question that I asked at the beginning. What is it that is kind of kind of pushing in the darkness or the shadow of death, if you will, that's pushing in on your soul, that's not allowing you to, to, to live and be liberated in the freedom and the love that Jesus desires to give to us through his own life. What is it? You see, tasting the kingdom is Jesus is king and his kingdom is reality. It's not the other way around. It's not this is reality. It's Jesus and his kingdom is the true reality of which we live. I know the saying that some people's minds, are, some people are so heaven, you know, heavenly minded that don't know earthly good. I get that. I understand that. But I wonder these days. I really wonder. Because if your heart's set on the kingdom and the heaven, then you're going to do what is earthly right to bring it about. But how do we get there? I think Jesus told us. Repentance. Repentance. Come behind Jesus with our whole heart, our mind, soul, and strength. There's no other way. Repentance is abandoning our kingdom, whatever we've created, what we think, what we believe, what we behave, for the kingdom of heaven and for King Jesus. Jesus is so kind with us, though. He's not a commanding, uh, demanding king. He's gentle and gracious. He gives us our freedom. He gave Adam and Eve their freedom. He gives us our freedom. So let me ask you this question. Where in your life 
Are you not coming behind Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength if you are a follower of Jesus? If you've said, man, I, I would tell people I'm a, I'm a Christian or I'm a follower of Jesus, where is it in your life that you're like, nah, and not today. It's okay. I want to hold to those ideologies that allow me to look good with my neighbors. I want to, I want to hold on to this, this habit that I know is not right for my heart, but it soothes the pain there. Alcohol, pornography, whatever it may be. Because <laughs> that's what that is. It's, it's, not, it's not addressing the heart issue. Yesterday, while reading a book on this whole idea of loving well, actually, from somebody who's in the think tank around D.C., I was nudged by the Holy Spirit on a specific thing I needed to give to God. To repent of. To abandon for his truth about that issue in my life. It's just a crazy thing. So as I sat there with my cup cup of soup before me at lunchtime, I confessed, God, you are right. I'm wrong. It was good to free me, to liberate me, Can I say once again, from bondage, the darkness that wants to press in, from some things that I even hold on to. See, this is is a gracious act by God. This is where we taste his grace. We may taste his truth, we may taste his, we want to taste his kingdom, but we have to understand it by tasting his grace. And Romans 2.4 says it clearly to us, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you. Does this mean nothing to you? <laughs> Can't you see his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? And can we just qualify that idea of sin a little bit? Yes, it's, it's, it's something that God doesn't want you to do. I get that. But it's something that makes you less than what God wants you to be. Completely. So I ask the question as we move to closing our time together, where are you not coming behind Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? As as we often remind you here, we believe in the Holy Spirit. My words may be persuasive and you may go, oh, I need to change that. But nothing will actually get changed for the long term unless the Holy Spirit leads on it and you feel motivated from interior of your life and your heart to change that. All that to say, I believe that the Holy Spirit is working in our midst and that he has pinged you just as he nudged me yesterday and said, Steve, you need to deal with that. You need to let that go. (laughs) So where is it in your life today? Follower of Jesus, where is it in your life today? You want to taste the kingdom that we just read about, but the only way you can taste the kingdom that we just read about is to live in his truth, receive his grace, and allow repentance and confession to flow forth and take up his way. So what is holding you back? Let's pray. Father, we want to taste the kingdom of Heaven, our world is in such disorder. 
Our desires are disordered. We see just over and over again, we see pain in the news, heartache in the news. We may slide into our social feeds and go, ah. And then we come and we read passages like this where people are healed. People are transformed. People begin to follow you and get a taste of what it means to have the kingdom of heaven on earth because of what your son did for us. Father, for those of us here this morning who have been pinged by your Holy Spirit in a very specific way, help us to open our hands literally and figuratively. Repentance and confession is a grace from you. To come to have a clean heart and a mind and a soul, we realize and recognize that is a gift from you. So, Father, by your Holy Spirit, continue to work on my friends who are followers this morning. Some of you this morning, maybe you have never considered the kingdom of God before, the kingdom of heaven or Jesus himself. But you realize, wait a second, this is... This is the kind of world I want to live in, where people are healed, where good news is shared, where transformations are taking place. If that's you this morning, and I can't believe that's not everybody, but if that's you this morning, Jesus invites you into his kingdom. Just as he invited those to come behind him and follow him, he invites you this morning. And to do that, this is one method we do here. You can pray this prayer sincerely from your heart and begin to follow him. Prayer's on the screen. You can pray this with me, whether online or here. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, grace, and love found in and through Jesus. Save me and forgive me from my sins. I give you my life and choose to follow, love, and live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I am grateful this morning for the work that you're doing in our midst. You're leading people to repentance and confession to have a greater kingdom, a greater taste of the kingdom in greater forms and ways. You're sanctifying us through and through. Thank you. We celebrate those who have said yes to Jesus this morning. Amen.